Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. We've got a good show for you this week. We are almost the football season, but fantasy football drafts are here. It is fantasy football time. We're going to chat fantasy football, do a big preview special with Alex Fasano of Fantasy Sports Radio. He's going to call in. We're going to talk about all the big headlines in fantasy, some guys to watch, draft strategy, all that good stuff coming up with Alex in just a bit. Show Me the Money is also back this week. We're going to do NFL over-unders with the great Joe D'Aloisio. We're going to do Mike and the Mad Dog rules, three overs, three unders each, and see who comes out the best at the end of the year. Be sure you stay tuned to the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill where I'm going to be joined by Colt fan Dan Martini to break down the shocking news of the weekend that Andrew Luck has retired and what that means for the Colts going forward. But we'll get it all rolling this week's opening tip, where we talk about the crisis in that land. Things are not great over here, folks, in Queens anymore. That's coming up right after this. Well, here's a spot where you wouldn't mind it if Billy Hamilton hit the ball in the air with some depth. Brown ball infield in, and it's by Panic. A run is in. Billy Hamilton with a big base hit, and Atlanta has the lead again. Two to one. All right, we are back with the opening tip. That call you just heard, courtesy of Fox Sports Atlanta. The Braves over the weekend. Billy Hamilton knocking in the go-ahead run of the 14th inning Friday night. Helped the Braves beat the Mets. The Mets have not won a game since that game. We are recording on Thursday night as they are set to begin the finale of their series with the Cubs. Jacob DeGrom on the mound for the Mets tonight. They need this game in the worst way. They have fallen four games behind the Cubs for the second wild card. They are way out of the first wild card right now, seven out. Currently on a five-game losing streak, and it is time to panic in Queens. That's right. It is a five-alarm fire going on out there in Queens right now. And the Mets, nothing's gone right for them the last week. I mean, Friday night, Jacob DeGrom is brilliant Friday night. Brilliant. He goes seven innings, gives up one run, strikes out 13. 13 Braves. And hits a homer for good measure. The problem They could not score for him. So this was 2018 Jake all over again where he's brilliant. He gets a no decision. We get to extras. We get to the 10th. The Mets have runners on. They have a chance to win the game. Doesn't happen. All of a sudden, we get to the 14th. Braves get to Juris Familia working his third straight day. It happens. Mets lose. Saturday, they score five runs. Pete Alonso ties the franchise record as 41st homer. Zach Wheeler gives up five runs. The bullpen gives up four more. Mets lose that game. Sunday, again, great pitching from Stephen Matz. The bats, non-existent. And they lose that game. And the Braves, again, they have killed the Mets this year. This is becoming the, literally, this generation's 1990s Mets. We all joke about how Freddie Freeman is a new Chipper Jones. I call him Chipper Freeman on Twitter. I mean, he kills the Mets, but we have Chipper everybody with this team. Josh Donaldson, nine home runs this year against the Mets. Nine. You would think somebody would say, you know what? 
Maybe we shouldn't throw meatballs to this guy. That hasn't happened yet. He's homework against the Mets nine times. Raul Acuna Jr. kills the Mets. You're getting random guys off the bench like Billy Hamilton killing the Mets. The Brave bullpen, which maligned as it is, did a pretty good job in the series. So you got through that. You're thinking, okay, the Braves are not their matchup. That's that's not great. But the Cubs are coming in. And the Cubs, as we talked about last week, they're horrible on the road. They don't win games away from Wrigley Field. And you're thinking they're coming in here. You got your big guys lined up. All of a sudden, you're like, great. We can get back on track. And it gets off to a good start on Tuesday. Pete Alonzo with the record homer. He breaks the Mets franchise record. Marcus Stroman gives it up. Two two-run homers. And he goes down. The Mets cannot come back. They lose that game 5-2. And just on Marcus Stroman for one second. This guy has been a massive disappointment in Queens. Massive disappointment since he came over here. I know it was mass the first couple of starts because the Mets were winning those games. Until Tuesday, they had won every game Marcus Stroman started. Since he has come over from the Mets to the Mets, he has an ERA of 491. He's 1-1. One one. He has given up five home runs. Five home runs this year with the Mets, which is in just 25 and two-thirds innings. Last year with Toronto, he got nine total. He got 10 with Toronto this year at 124 and two-thirds innings. This year at the Mets, 25 two-thirds innings, five home runs. That's not good for a pitcher who's supposed to be the ground ball pitcher. And yes, we had Mickey Callaway making questionable decisions such as Taking out Juan Lagares for defense. I know that Todd Frazier is a good defensive third baseman. He has not hit a lick the last month. So they put him in at third to maximize the infield defense. Put Jeff McNeil out in right. Michael Conforto in center. Michael Conforto could not make a couple of big plays that led to runs for the Cubs. And then we get to last night. And last night, you have Noah Syndergaard on the mound. You're thinking, okay, Thor has been on fire in the second half. Thor has been great. We're in great shape with him. We can win this game. He spits the bit and gives up 10 runs in three innings. 10 runs in three innings in what is clearly the worst start of his career. He put the Mets in such a hole. I mean, they were coming back. They scored. They ended up losing this game 10-7. They were down 10-1. to And that's a night where, you know, you got to just... Find a way to get your team an effort there. And he just didn't do it. It sucks, but that's what happened. And now the Mets are in a situation where, despite what the dopey manager says, this is a must-win game. Jacob DeGrand tonight needs to win this game for the Mets. This team needs to get the game here. The difference between being three back with 30 left versus five back with 30 left is massive. It's massive because you figure 30 games is about four weeks a season left. Usually, it takes a lot to get back a game a week. With only four weeks left, you're asking them to get back more than a game a week, and that's really, really hard. They have to get this done. And then you have the road trip coming up. The big trip to the other two NL East rivals, Philly and Washington both of whom currently have the Mets in the standings. The Mets need to get through this trip 
four and two right now. They lost their margin for error with this five game losing streak. They have to get out of this trip four and two. If they don't, they are going to have a hill to climb because they still have a brutal 10 game homestand coming up with the Phillies again. The Diamondbacks are four who smashed the baseball. So there could be some high scoring games out at City Field with the ball jumping out the wall. And you have the Dodgers coming in for three games. And the Dodgers have been the best team in the National League. I know the Mets play well against them in LA, had a chance to win a lot of those games. But you really want to bank on winning two out of three against the Dodgers? I don't think it's happening. This is the critical stretch for the Mets right now. They made things interesting in July and August by getting off to a hot start. But when you put yourself in such a big hole like that, you just wonder, did they use all of their energy to get back in the race? And now are they running out of gas? Because they've had to push guys hard to get to where they are. Pete Alonso has played virtually every day. Wilson Ramos entering Thursday, riding the 21-game hitting streak, has played pretty much every day. Ahmed Rosario, J.D. Davis, playing pretty much every day. Conforto, playing pretty much every day. All of these guys, they're human. They're going to wear down the fact that they're playing this many games in a row with very few off days. And they've had to to get in the race. But you wonder, did they burn all of their gas to get where they are? Or is there another run left in them? I think a lot will depend on this manager making good decisions. Obviously, getting back guys like Brandon Nimmo should help. Jed Lauer, if he decides to finish his rehab, actually grace us with his presence, will help. Who knows? Maybe Robinson Cano actually shows up. That would be nice. But the manager needs to be smarter going forward. Just today, he spoke pregame about Jacob DeGrom. And they, they asked for Mickey first. Mickey, is tonight a must-win game? He said, well, you know, like as long as we're still alive, we have a chance. We're not going to call this a must-win where we manage any different than any other game, which I disagree with. That's a must-win game tonight, but for whatever. And then they asked Mickey, he said, what are you going to do with Jake moving forward? Are you going to stick with the rotation? Are you going to pitch him every five days? And he said, oh, you know, we'll see. We haven't figured it out yet. I don't know if Mickey's playing coy, but at this point, considering the struggles that Zach Wheeler has had and that Strowman has had, you need DeGrom pitching as often as possible. That means every five days. If Marcus Stroman is pushed back, so be it. If Zach Wheeler is pushed back a day, so be it. Every time he is ready to pitch, Jacob DeGrom should be on that mound for the Mets if they want to actually be serious about completing this comeback. Right now, he is the best thing they have going for them on the mound, and he gives them the best chance of winning games he pitches. You need him as much as possible. Anything less than that would be a major disappointment. But up next, we're going to our big fantasy football preview with Alex Fasano of Fantasy Sports Radio right after this. Third and 10, Mahomes, straight drop. Stepping up and throwing long. Has a man downfield and he's got it! To Marcus Robinson! Backs his way into the end zone for the touchdown. All right, we are back on the Just End the Suffering podcast. That call you just heard, CBS Sports' Greg Gumbel breaking down the 50th touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes, a guy who won a lot of fantasy leagues last, last year. 
Fantasy football season is here. Drafts are going to be a plenty this weekend. Joining me today to talk about the big storylines heading into the fantasy football drafts is a guy who's been on this podcast a couple times before. He works for fan, for Fantasy Sports Radio, and he is, I believe, in eight fantasy leagues. Alex Fasano. Alex, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me. First of all, i got to start there. How are you in eight leagues? <laughs> I'm still asking myself that same question. I actually just drafted my fifth and sixth league last night, so I still got a couple more to go. That's impressive, man. I, I have a hard time doing more than two. In fact, that you're an eight, all the power to you. Yeah, actually, last year I did about uh, five, I want to say. So, um, And this is my second year working at the uh, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, powered by SportsGrid. So uh, I just you know, I felt like I really had to really immerse myself into it. So I said, you know what, I'm going to double it, and I'm going to go with eight. Well, that's the way to do it. You want to get really into it, just go all in and just get yourself so immersed. I feel like you are going to be the perfect guy to talk to about all these fantasy storylines today since you've done so many drafts. Yeah, I've been, uh, been drafting from, for about a month now, so it's been uh, going really well. Love it. Yeah, before we get in, I want to ask you, do you guys have, do any of your leagues have any creative ways to do the draft order? That's not always something I've gotten asked a couple of occasions. Um, not really. A couple of my leagues we've done like the, you know, simple pull out of a hat and then like one of my commissioners makes like a fun video of like all of our faces in like the draft order. Um, so it's, it's, it's not like we really, you know, do anything too crazy. It's all really randomized. Sometimes we'll use, you know, an app to randomize it. So nothing too, uh, too wild there. Yeah, I think my one, the league I run, I'm going to throw this idea by you, see what you think about this. Recording on Thursday, which is the night of the final NFL preseason games, the ones mean nothing, We everybody in my league gets a random preseason week four game. Whosoever game has the most points gets the first pick in the draft. I like it, I like it, but then how do you sell the other picks? Yeah, so it just goes in descending order from there. So, like, it goes in terms of, like, second most points because the oh, second okay. pick. I like that. That's pretty interesting. It's a little shake-up on it. It's something to uh, to consider. I, I, I actually really like that. Yeah, we came up with this a couple of years back, and I said picking out a hat is boring, and let's have some stakes on week four, which means nothing otherwise. So this is, for us, at least something to keep an eye on. Yeah, exactly. It makes the preseason a little more exciting. Yeah, so if the Packers and Chiefs go off tonight, I might have the chance to draft Saquon Barkley this year. Oh, that's a good, that's a good game to pick. Yeah, even though it's not the, the Rodgers-Mahomes show, I hope the backups put some points up. But oh, I'm sure they will. Let's start there with the top of the draft. So let's say, for instance, you have the number one pick. Where are you going? Uh, I mean, it's 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 no really. There's no debate. I mean, you're obviously going with Saquon Barkley. I mean, he he is the premier number one overall fantasy pick. In uh, honestly, I think every single league I'm in, he has been the number one pick. Some people are are considering you know Christian McCaffrey or even Alvin Kamara over him, but it's very rarely that you see that. Saquon Barkley is your number one overall pick in about, I would say, personally, 95% of fantasy league. Yeah, I feel like that seems about right. I will take Saquon number one if I'm up that high. So who do you think is the next tier guy? Let's say Saquon goes one in your league. Let's say you're in the next couple of picks. You mentioned McCaffrey and Kamara. Who else do you think is in that next tier, guys? So I use a lot of, of the NFFC, which is the National Fantasy Football Conference um, rankings, and they use ADP, which stands for Average Draft Position. So a lot of times I'll use that to kind of feel how the public and the general populace are drafting their leagues. And a majority of the leagues are very, very similar, and usually we see this every single year. The best of the best running backs usually are your top four or five fantasy picks. So this year we're looking at Saquon Barkley, obviously number one. And like I said, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, your two, three. Zeke, 
is usually your number four pick, but it's a little interesting because, um, you know, with the holdout situation. So we're going to sit on Zeke a little bit. So you might want to consider even like a Lev Bell. I've seen he's going top five um, this year in drafts. Um, so usually, you know, the, to the first five picks in a majority of fantasy drafts will be the top five running backs. You may see a DeAndre Hopkins or, or a Devontae Adams in there as well. But your top five running backs are the best bets um, on what you want to get early on in your fantasy drafts. Absolutely. And for me, I feel like this year it's tough with the first round. I mean, obviously you have a surefire first round pick with Saquon Barkley, number one. But I mean, apart from that, I don't know if you feel this way, but like I feel like I feel be more comfortable picking in the back of the first round, picking like six, seven, especially this year, because the middle of the first seems like it's such a muddled mess this year. Yeah, and that's that's a personal thing for myself, too. I mean, out of my eight fantasy leagues, three of them I've already drafted with the eighth overall pick, and I adore that pick. Me, personally, I like the later, like you said, the later rounds. I love that one-two turn. If you have, like, the 12th pick, you can get 12 and 13 right around the bend. Um, and a lot of people, I've seen you said it, are, are falling into that category now because you're right, with Ezekiel Elliott, with Melvin Gordon, uh, with, with concerns about Le'Veon Bell because he hasn't seen a football field in two years. With with David Johnson, who's even had trouble staying on the field, he's a top five running back. So it's really, really caught. You want to be cautious when you're when you have those early round picks. Um, but you know, you said it. Getting into the late round, uh, the later round. So like you know, the eighth, the ninth, even the tenth, eleventh overall picks are what you're trying to aim for uh, for your drafts. Yeah, I, I, people say middle. As the top of your theory says, like. Drafting in the middle means you finish middle of the road. You usually want to be on either end of the board. Being in the middle is really hard to make the playoffs out, in my opinion. Oh, exactly. You know, that middle, you said it. You're in the middle of the road. You're kind of stuck with, you're going to get great players. Don't get me wrong. You know, the first three rounds, everybody gets the best players, and there's no doubt about that. But you have those turns in, in the 10 and the 11 and 12, or the 1, 2, and 3. Like, getting two players back-to-back that you can pair together with, uh, it just makes a very, very big difference um, in, in, in drafts, depending on, you know, PPR or half-point PPR. Those 1-2 punches coming around the turns are crucial. Yeah, let's keep, go back to the running backs for a minute. You mentioned the two big holdouts who, as of this recording, are still holding out from their teens, which is Zeke Elliott in Dallas and Melvin Gordon with the Chargers. So, And how have you handled them in drafts? Like, Where are you saying, oh, I can't take them until this round, or are you just avoiding them altogether? So I'm looking at um, the NFC rankings right now with ADPs, and Zeke is actually still being chosen in the first round. Um, even though I think uh, reports as of today, I think he's saying uh, uh, they're preparing for a, uh, a six-week uh, holdout. I don't know uh, when, whenever uh, the date will be finalized or whatnot. But um, so he's still being chosen early in the first. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if he falls towards the tail end of the first, maybe your tenth, eleventh, twelfth overall picks. Uh, I actually saw Zeke even in the uh, the second round late, you know, coming around the, the turn into the third. But it really depends on what kind of league you're going with. But personally. I don't like to look at players with the holdouts. So Zeke Elliott, Melvin Gordon, who still has no contract settled. I'm looking at his ADP right now. He's at 23. So you're looking at him maybe towards the end of the second round in a 12-team league, coming around the turn into the third. 
So, cautious, again, the same thing as I, as I said previously. You want to be cautious with these guys. Wait and follow the reports. And, you know, if, if you really feel confident that Ezekiel Elliott could bounce back from a, from a couple weeks of a holdout and, and help your fantasy team down the stretch, you know, he's, if, if he, let's hypothetically say, he has a six-week holdout, he can come back in week seven and eight and tear up the field, which is when you want your team to really start to find its stride because then you're finding yourself in the playoffs at week 13 already and 14, and it really starts to get to that time. So you just want to be very cautious with Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon. But if they're dropping, you know, if you can get them at a really good value, I I would say shoot for it. You know, if you're seeing Zeke at the end of the second round where you're looking at Melvin Gordon, you can take him there because that's a great value. If you see Melvin Gordon drop to maybe the end of the third instead of the end of the second, you can grab him there, too, for some great value. Um, there's no definite answer that they're not going to see the field, both of these guys, but they're both extremely talented backs with extreme fantasy potential, and honestly, if they're there for that value, you take them. But again, just try to be cautious with these guys. Yeah, and again, I mean, people ask you, you got Burma, Le'Veon Bell, saying, oh, he'll show up in about week six, didn't show up. So if you're in that situation, you see the clear hangout, I think you got to do it, whether it's uh, – Zeke's Elliott's back up in Dallas. I think the rookie back there. I forget his name offhand. Tony but Pollard, I believe. Tony Pollard, thank you. And uh, the Chargers, you have like Austin Eckler out there. I mean, like, if you get one of those guys, make sure you're getting their backup somewhere along the line. Make sure you cover yourself. Like, I did that last year in a league where I drafted Bell. I drafted James Conner a couple rounds later and the paint big dividends. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mike. You said it right there. With Zeke, you want to handcuff him with Tony Pollard and with Melvin Gordon, Eckler, Justin Jackson. Those guys are who you really want to make sure. If you do reach for those guys, you know, again, if you see them at their value and you want to take Zeke and Melvin and Melvin Gordon, you take them. But you're right. You have to handcuff them with their backups. Yeah, for sure. Let's go to the next set of running backs I'm curious about, which is three relatively big names who have fallen in the draft rankings. It just turns turns of injury concerns holdouts, and all that stuff. So how would you rate this trio as where you would draft them? Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Todd Gurley. All right, so I'm looking also, I love to use these sites because they're so fantastic. So I'm looking at fantasypros.com, and they have their rankings for PPR. So this is in a PPR, one point per reception format. Uh, it has David Johnson as running back five, Le'Veon Bell as running back seven, and Todd Gurley as running back 11. Now, if you're asking me personally, I like Bell over all of these guys. And as a Steelers fan, it's very eerie for me to say this, but I, I'm going with my gut here. Le'Veon Bell has not seen a football field in a year, but he is the most talented guy, in my opinion, out of those three. Um, David Johnson is also a great back, but he failed to reach 1,000 yards last year. I think it was only about uh, 940, I believe, seven touchdowns. So not really David Johnson numbers. He's always been marred by a little injuries as well. So um, it's something that I'm looking at there. So Lev Bell, I think, out of these three is, is the one you want to try and go for. Then maybe you want to consider David Johnson just because he's seen the field. Um, he has, like I said, seven isn't terrible, but um, he can do a little bit better. So his ceiling is a little higher. Gurley, I want to keep at the bottom because his injury concerns are, are too big for me. And honestly, it's, it's just 
I've seen too many reports about his backups in Daryl Henderson and uh, um, Malcolm Brown, I believe. So um, Gurley is someone I personally like to avoid, uh, and it looks like the ADP is, is, is agreeing with me with Todd Gurley going 17 uh, with Le'Veon Bell going nine and with David Johnson going six, so uh, to me personally, I will go Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, Todd Gurley terrifies me because we saw at the end of last year through the playoffs. I mean, they were just not using; it. they were splitting his carries with C.J. Anderson, who's no longer there. But the fact that he was supposedly healthy in the Super Bowl and then they was still splitting time, just the fact that it hasn't gotten better is still alarming for a guy who I think was a top pick basically a year ago. Yeah, exactly, and it was a knee injury that that was the the key to the end of last season, and those are tricky, you know, for running backs especially. So, uh, and a guy who's who's as talented as Gurley and moves as fast as he does, uh, it's just it's too concerning for me at this point. Okay, let's go to the quarterback position for a minute because obviously this thing took a big shakeup over the weekend. Andrew Luck retired; he was probably a top three option in a lot of leagues. But now I feel like there's a pretty clear top tier of. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and then everybody else sort of falls in below them. So, obviously, Mahomes last year, those are 5,000 yards. Those are 50 touchdowns. I feel like he's a guy who's going to get overdrafted based on his production from a year ago. So, where would you take Patrick Mahomes if you had the choice? So, I actually saw Patrick Mahomes, shockingly enough, uh, go in the second round last night in a 10-team draft. So he was probably pick, I want to say, 18 or 19. That is a little too early for me. Um, it, uh, the NFC ADP is showing him at 25, um, which is the end of the second round, early the third round in a 12-team in a league. Um, and that's still a little early for me. Like That's where you want to see him, though. If I had to pick Patrick Mahomes, I'm looking at the third round. I never like to pick uh, quarterbacks that early. I usually try to wait, um, you know, personally try like the seventh, eighth round because there's so many quarterbacks available. But when you're dealing with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, um, the end of the second round, the beginning of the third is probably your best bet. If you want to reach for him, you can go in 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 the middle of the second, even you know, like the uh, the the seventh overall in the second. You know, wherever you feel comfortable with. You know, if you want to reach for Pat Mahomes, by all means, go for it. But I don't think wasting a second round pick on him is your best bet. Yeah, he's the best quarterback in terms of fantasy this year, but. I, I just don't like reaching for quarterbacks. That's just me. And, you know, I, if I had to, I would say Mahomes end of second, uh, early third is your best bet. Yeah, I agree. I feel like there's definitely somebody in all your leagues who's going to say, oh, Mahomes threw for 5,050. I have to get this guy because I'll make up for a fact I'm weak at other positions. And usually that doesn't work out because he's going to regress some, probably maybe closer to like 4,700 yards. Maybe like he drops like eight touchdowns. That's a big dip in stats for you to be paying a top dollar for. Absolutely. There's no way he's going to repeat this season. And if he does, then, hey, I eat my words and we're all wrong. But I, I highly doubt, like you said, he's, he, he's down for some type of regression. And it, I think you're right. It will be the touchdowns um, in this case. They don't have Kareem Hunt. Uh, you know, he was a big uh, screen back for them last year. So when they needed a, a crucial touchdown or, you know, quick, it was either Tyreek or Kareem. Now it's just Tyreek. So uh, there's definitely due, uh, Mahomes is due for some regression here. All right, let's go to the receiver position now. I'd say this position, I think, even more of the right backs, has been shaking up the most from year, from 2018 to 2019. So who do you think are your top five receivers right now? 
my top five receivers, and this may sound a little crazy towards the end of it, but I'm just going to go for it. So top five, you have to start with Hopkins and Adams, obviously. DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams are your clear one and two punch. Um, if you consider Julio Jones, if you like him a little bit better, by all means go for it. But we're looking at his ADP right now. Uh, Julio's coming in at around 10, 11. DeAndre Hopkins is a clear 5, 6. Uh, and Devontae Adams is around 7, 8 as well. So uh, to me, personally, you want my top five. It's going to be DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, uh, Michael Thomas, which is uh, a little shocking to some people. People are a little down on him because uh, he had a great year uh, last season. Um, but uh, he he is due for, uh, I think, a, a great year considering he just got paid. So I'm putting him in my top three. Uh, then Julio's probably right behind him. And then I have to go, uh, I think, with either. I, I'm probably going to put Tyreek in my top five. So I'll go Hopkins, Adams. Thomas Jones, Tyreek Hill, just because, uh, you know, Tyreek, we all know the offseason drama. He's going to fight through it, and I think he's just going to focus on the game and try to have uh, the best year he can. Um, I, I want him to put Odell Beckham in the top five, however, but he's right on the cusp just because I know there's a lot of mouths to feed in Cleveland with Nick Chubb, with Jarvis Landry, even Rashad Higgins is, is, is coming out as a little slot option. So the point is uh, Odell has a lot of mouth to share the table with Tyreek, I think is a clear uh, fantasy guy for your Kansas City Chiefs, and he is in my top five. Obviously, like you mentioned, your top five, two big guys you did not mention. One you did, we actually tell Odell Beckham in Cleveland. The other one, Antonio Brown, Mister Helmet Frostbite, going on right now. The former Steelers. So, where do you think they're going to end up going in these drafts? Because Brown, obviously, I have a lot of concerns with the helmet issue and the fact he hasn't played at all in the preseason, and Beckham. Like you said, lots of mouth to feed. So where do you think they're going? So I'm looking at uh, the ADPs again, and Odell is sitting about 13, 14 overall, and Antonio Brown's coming in around 21. So you're looking at Odell at the end of the first round, beginning of the second, and Antonio probably towards the end of the second, early third. Now if he drops in the third, maybe even the fourth, which I doubt because we know he's back on the field and running routes, you take him there. You take him. If you see him in the fourth, oh my goodness, you take him. That probably won't ever happen. Um, So you're probably going to see him in the third. Uh, But I'm starting to see him shoot up some draft boards because there's videos of him running routes, and and he's finding his helmet. He's he's dealing with everything. So he's back on the field. Uh, And uh, I'm anxious to see how he plays, um, and I'm actually kind of high on Antonio, uh, so I would even consider uh, an early second round, you know, um, uh, if he's there, you take him. Uh, Beckham, like I just said before, it's, it's, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Cleveland. Nick, uh, Nick Chubb, uh, you know, they, they got Kareem Hunt, uh, but he's not seeing the field until week eight anyway. Um, you got Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins. I'm pulling up the death chart right here. Uh, uh, David and Joku, even you know, um, all the guys there are are great, great uh, pass catchers. And yeah, they're all talented. But you know, Baker Mayfield only has one arm. So uh, it's anxious. I'm anxious to see how everyone's going to get along too. Um, that's why I'm very excited to see Cleveland. Their offense is is so powerful. Um, so Beckham still has the fantasy potential there. Uh, I'm looking at his rankings as well. Uh, and and they have him as a top five receiver on fantasy pros as Odell and Antonio is a top ten himself so if they're there uh, in those rounds you take them um, but any, anything below the third you you snatch him up immediately oh for sure and let's go to the next position here which is the tight end obviously we know the top three is Travis Kelsey Zach Ertz George Kittle so let's say you don't get one of those three guys who are your next good values at that position if you don't get one of the big three? 
So I actually, uh, in one of my leagues, uh, traded for a keeper in George Kittle, so I was very happy about that. I love George Kittle this year. He's going to be great. Uh, I know Jimmy G struggled a little bit this preseason, but I think Kittle's going to have another fantastic season. Um, but like you said, if you lose out on those three tight ends, and a couple of those guys are going in the second, third rounds even, which is pretty shocking um, for tight ends. But this is the year of the tight ends. You know, We're starting to see them catch a little more, and they're getting a little faster. So you miss out on those top three. Your best options are probably guys like Evan Ingram for the Giants, O.J. Howard for the Bucks. Um, people are putting Vance McDonald from uh, the Steelers even up there a little bit just because of what we've seen from him with his stiff arm ability, and, and he's such a big guy. So um, he's shooting up boards as well. But, you, you, again, you're looking at the guys like Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, uh, guys with, with – um, like you look at O.J. Howard, Winston is a great fantasy quarterback, so there's your there's your ceiling for Howard. Hunter Henry's got Phillip Rivers uh, as well, so the potential for these guys are there, and you just want to be a little cautious with them. Yeah, you even even if you miss out on these guys, there's there's a lot of tight end options. Obviously, not as much as your wide receivers, but guys like Mark Andrews, who's coming into Baltimore for the first year, he's going to be a, a great fantasy asset. Jordan Reed is going to have a bounce back season. Trey Burton in Chicago. There's a lot of tight end options you can uh, grab there, but if you miss out on that top three group, you're looking at, again, Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, Jared Cook even in New Orleans. I like him a lot with Drew Brees. So uh, there's still a lot of viable options there if you miss out on that top three group. Okay, let's go a little rapid fire here. We'll go with some sleepers and some busts. We'll start with the sleepers. Give me some Quarterback sleepers. I don't need big athletes. Just give me your sleepers at quarterback. Hmm. If I could pick a sleeper at quarterback, I'm going to go with Derek Carr just because I know they're going to be playing from behind in Oakland and he's going to be launching it up to Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown. So Derek Carr could be a quarterback sleeper. All right. Running back sleeper. Running back sleeper. I think I'm going to go with. Honestly, I got to go with Jalen Samuels. Uh, the word around Pittsburgh is that they're going to start using a little bit of, of a running back by committee. Obviously, James Conner is still their back, and he's their guy. But, you know, Jalen Samuels proved to us last season that he has some pass-catching ability, and uh, he has some fantasy potential. So Jalen Samuels may be someone you might not want to sleep on. Yeah, I'll throw one in there as well. I'm watching the Bears running back situation. David Montgomery, all the tools in the world. He, he gets a lot of timeshare there. If he fills the Jordan Howard role, he could be a big value for you late in the draft. Oh, actually, I'm even seeing him come up draft boards in the fifth round, sixth round. So, David Montgomery, you're right. You want to jump on him early. All right, let's go sleeper receiver. Uh, let's see, there's so many. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'll go with Christian Kirk in uh, Arizona. Coach uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you know, it's it's not a Texas Tech offense, but, hey, uh, it's 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 Kyler Murray, and, and it's, there's a lot of new moving parts that they can work with. So, I think Christian Kirk is going to get his touches in Arizona. Yeah, I will throw out, I'll be a homer here. Watch Jamison Crowder with the Jets. He's had a good rapport with Sandar on the preseason. Navigates likes throwing the slot receiver, so he got a huge year for the Jets. Oh, I like that too. Crowder's shooting up draft boards as well, so I'd say that's a good pick right there. All right, and sleeper tight end. Oh boy, sleeper tight end. Uh, you know what? I, I mentioned him before. Uh, I think I'm going to go uh, Mark Andrews in Baltimore. Um, yeah, he he wasn't a target monster when he was a rookie, but you know what? Him with Lamar Jackson coming into his stride, learning how to throw a little bit more. You know, uh, Lamar's already mobile, so moving around the pocket, Andrews could find his uh, his open spots down the field. So I like Mark Andrews as a solid backup tight end sleeper. 
Yeah, I'll also throw another Jet out there as a sleeper for this position. You have to deal with the suspension, but Chris Herndon, again, great rapport with Darnold at the end of the year last year. You have to wait four games for him, but if you can get through the first like five weeks without him, you can have a good value at tight end down the line. Absolutely right. I like a lot of the Jets' uh, fantasy options. Even Robbie Anderson is a, is a wide receiver sleeper I consider, so don't sleep on those Jets' uh, receiving core. Yeah, a lot, a lot has changed with the Jets now that they're all of a sudden becoming fantasy relevant. Hey, Adam Gase might be able to turn something around here. All right, let's go the other direction real quick. Let's go with some busts, a quarterback bust, somebody you want to avoid. Oh, man, somebody I want to avoid as a quarterback. Um, if I had to pick somebody off the bat, uh, I'm just going to go with Jameis Winston. I, I said it before, he's got some fantasy potential, but, you know, Tampa Bay is, is has always been a team that's in the fight but can never close, and Winston always has, like, three touchdowns but three interceptions. So um, Jameis Winston, someone you want to be cautious of. I'll just throw another one in there. Cam Newton, just because of his injuries concern. He's flying off draft boards very early, but you just want to be very uh, cautious with that injury concerns in Cam Newton. But I would say Winston is probably one of my busts. Yeah, one guy I'm staying away from. I know he's going to fly because he runs, but I want no part of Lamar Jackson in leagues because I just worry the fact that there's a lot of film on him out there now. I feel like he's got a lot of regression in year two. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, uh, he's still got to find how to throw the ball, but those feet, oh, man, those are something. They are something. But bust running back. Bust running back. Uh, Let me uh, think for a second here. Bust running back. Uh, Oh, man, I thought you were going to say breakout for a second. I was going to go with uh, Josh Jacobs over there. But uh, if I had to go with a bust running back, I will probably go with Leonard Fournette. Uh, He is obviously a top – fantasy option to some people but to me personally those injury concerns are huge to me even at lsu he was always an injury risk uh so leonard fournette i've always avoided since he's been in the league and i'm still going to avoid him to this day i think we're gonna go back to somebody i'll go back to somebody we talked about earlier in the podcast i think todd girl is a huge bus candidate running back just give all the lingering injuries he has so i think that's my bus guy yeah you're right like i said that that knee injury is always tricky so you want to be cautious all right bust receiver Bust receiver, I think I'm going to go with uh, Dante Pettis. We saw a little bit of upside from him early in the in the offseason, but um, he really hasn't had too much of a, of a great preseason right now. And again, Jimmy Garoppolo has been struggling. I still think Jimmy's going to find his stride, but I think he'll find it with George Kittle and Tevin Coleman in the backfield. I, I think Pettis is going to have a slight uh, little little decrease in his production. Yeah, I'm going to go bigger game hunting on the receiver front with my, with my bust. I, I'm not saying he's going to have a bad year. I think he's not going to do what we, th- we think he is. I'm going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh because now this is the first time he's going to be the guy. There's no A-B on the field to draw attention away from him anymore. I feel like he's still going to have a good year, but I feel like if you're drafting him as a top five receiver, I think you're going to be disappointed. Oh, I've actually seen him go as a top uh, seven receiver. Not top five yet in some drafts, but he's going up first round. And honestly, I have to disagree with you, not because I'm a Steelers fan, but he is he is so happy to be there. They're, he's their number one guy. You're right. It's a little shaky frame because it is his first time being really in the star role. But, man, I am so excited to see Juju Smith-Schuster on the field again. All right, and the last one here, bust tight end. Bust tight end. I think I'm going to have to go with um, Eric Ebron. And uh, I'm not going to just say that because of Andrew Luck retiring. Um, it's just it's just a fact. You know, he had a great year last year, yes, but I think there's a slight regression in, in his touchdown. Uh, he had 13 last year. I, I just don't think uh, that's another feat he's going to look to to accomplish uh, this season. And with Jacoby Brissett, it's a little more mobility, so I think we're going to see a slight regression in Ebron's performance. 
Yeah, I'm going to go to New Orleans for my bus tight end. I'm going to go with Jared Cook just because I feel like everywhere he goes, we have such high expectations for him, and he never meets them aside from Oakland. And I know Drew Brees is a good quarterback upgrade for him, but outside of Jimmy Graham, Drew Brees just does not throw his tight ends very much. So I don't think we're going to have a big year out of Jared Cook. No, you're absolutely right. You know, Drew Brees isn't necessarily the tight end uh, ball giver, but Jerry Cook is still flying off high on boards. Uh, he's ranked as number seven tight end now on Fantasy Football Pros. So uh, I could see where you're coming from. You're always high expectations from him. But, yeah, I think that there could be some potential there. Yeah, so last question. Obviously, I mean, we've been through a lot of players, a lot of specific ideas position-wise, but in terms of just general draft strategy, what's your approach when you get hit that board on draft day and you have your queue on up? What's your general approach when you're building a draft, trying to build that winning fantasy team? So I've kind of never really shifted my draft strategy. Uh, I'm, I'm tempted to with my last two fantasy drafts this year um, with with some techniques that I've, I've picked up over uh, over the year or so, like drafting, you know, no no running backs until a later round or maybe going running back receiver, running back receiver, running back receiver, you know, something a little along those lines. But for me personally, and I've, I've just realized this, you know, the other day, my, my strategy really doesn't change. I usually try to get... And the first round, always, always, always um, the best player available, whether that be a wide receiver or a running back. Always. Always a wide receiver or a running back. Then, based off of that, is how I'm going to do my second and third. So if I get a top 10 running back, let's say, with my first pick, then I know I'm going to try and get the next two best wide receivers I can get. And then I want to sandwich it in my fourth round with a running back. So that way my top four picks are always a top the top two possible running backs I can get and the top two wide receivers I could possibly get. But I always try to sandwich them. So if I go receiver first, then I'm going to go two running backs with the second and third pick and then sandwich that with the fourth pick of a receiver. Um, so that way it's always like a tier one wide receiver, a tier two, three wide receiver, but then I get, you know, a tier one back and a tier two back or, or you know, vice versa. So um, that's what I always try to do. I never pick a quarterback like I stated earlier. Never try to get a quarterback until, you know, seven, eight, uh, even nine sometimes because there's just so much potential there. There's so many great quarterbacks out there. Um, some are mobile and some are arms. So uh, I usually try to sit on quarterbacks. This year, like we've been stating, uh, tight ends are, are kind of a hot commodity. So if you can get that top three group of Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz, you could even use a fifth or a sixth round pick on them. Um, but I like to try to fill out, like I said, I get my top four, two back, two receivers, and then I just fill out my roster accordingly. So uh, I make sure my roster is filled before I start going into my depth. Unless there's like a great, you know, fantasy value receiver there that I know I could back up my flexes with or that I could back up my, uh, my starters with, I-, I definitely jump on that. So I want to always try to fill my receivers and backs before anything else you know if, if I have 10 players on my roster and five of them are running backs and five of them are receivers then I'll, I'm okay with that because I could still get a great quarterback I could still get a great tight end and I could stream a defense and a kicker accordingly week to week um, you know that's that's another thing too streaming kickers and defenses uh, I, I've kind of picked up over the last year or so uh, I always used to pick a defense uh, in my draft but now I'm starting to see that you know you could stream these guys week to week depending on the schedule yeah, for sure. I like the I like your approach as well. Like, I feel I'm very similar to the fact that I like to play. Just I just am open to pretty much anything. I just take what the board gives you. I'm not sitting out here and saying, oh, like I have to take a running back if there's like five of them are gone. I'm not taking the sixth running back if there's a, the second receiver is there. So I'm going to play, try and get the value the best I can in the board. And 
wherever it falls, wherever it falls. So I think that's the best way. You have to be open to that because obviously you're going to be tweaking your roster throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've been in the uh, the fantasy business for about two years now, and uh, the biggest thing I could tell anybody who's getting into fantasy, you just want to do a draft, take the players you're comfortable with and the best ones available. If you have leagues like myself where I have eight fantasy leagues, and I may want to try, you know, a no running back until the sixth round strategy, or I may want to try, like I said, you know, a running back receiver, running back receiver type of strategy, but that's just because I have the, the leagues to do so. But if you're in a handful of leagues and you're really focusing and serious, take the players you are comfortable with and take the players that are available, the best players available. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Alex and I are just throwing discussions out about ideas and all that. Who knows? We could be wrong. We could take you could take Zeke Elliott in the first round. And he could show up in week two, and you can win the championship. You, you don't have to listen to us. It's, it's entirely your belief here. I mean, if you are running your league and you're running your team, if you say, "Oh, I don't want to take Zeke because Mike and Alex or some or Matthew Berry or any of the Yahoo guys said not to," and then he ends up costing you, you're gonna kick yourself and said, "So I feel just go down with your gut. That's the way you got to do it." Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, fantasy football is kind of gambling, so we're rolling the dice with everybody we throw out there. So best of luck to everybody on their fantasy dress. For sure. Alex, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, do you want everybody to know how to find you on social media and some of the stuff you're up to with uh, Fantasy Sports Radio? So you can find me on Twitter at Alex Fazano, F-A-Z-A-N-O. Uh, we, uh, I tweet all my fantasy picks and uh, all my leagues. I'll be giving updates on all eight of my leagues. Um, and the Fantasy Sports Network has just jumped onto Zumo TV. You can watch us for free at channel 719. Just type in Zumo TV, Zumo.TV on, on your, uh, your phones or your computers. Tune into channel 719. You can watch us all hours of the day on the Sports Grid TV network. Sounds like a lot of fun. Thanks again. I really appreciate it all the time. Hopefully I'll get you back here sometime to do some actual NFL picks. Well, I can't wait, Mike. Really appreciate the time. All right, there you have it. That was Alex Fasano with your fantasy football preview. Up next, showing the money is back, NFL over-unders with Joe D'Aloisio right after this. Show me the money. All right, that's right. Show me the money is back, baby. It's time for football season is here. We're just about to finish the god-awful preseason. We're about to get to some fun today. Starting next week, we're going to do NFL picks every single week. But first, we're going to kick off the year with some over-under predictions. And joining me this year to do the over-under picks, this podcast NFL guy, Joe D'Aloisio. Joe, welcome. How are you? Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can you believe it? It's football season. I'm just happy the preseason's almost over because this has just been so useless this year. Uh, it's like the preseason is such a tease because it's like, yes, football's here. Yeah. And then it's like, wait a second, football really isn't here because a lot of these guys stink. Yeah. Yeah, I believe Joe Beningo on WFAM puts it best. He says it's like non-alcoholic beer. That's the good. I think it's a good comparison. At that point, you might as well just drink seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've lost some big guys to injury this year, but last time I talked to you, we were watching some hard knocks. How have you liked the show so far? I thought, so, I like I like I mentioned last week, I'm a big hard knocks guy. It gets the juices flowing. It gets you excited for football. But I kind of expected a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I'm at the point now where I'm like, eh, I'm kind of over it already. I just want to see some real football. Yeah, you're kind of like, 
they're not giving me much. I let it sit on the DVR for three days before I watch it. Correct. Yes. Correct. I'm, it's not. It's no longer appointment television. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if it's just the Raiders. I don't know if it's just I'm already tired of the Raiders. I'm already tired of of Antonio Brown. I'm already tired of John Gruden being so tough in that show yeah. and being so soft to the media yeah. in press conferences that you don't see in the show. Yeah. I have a feeling the Raiders are kind of nixing a lot of interesting stuff. I feel like it's also not helping the cause here because the teams get the cut of the episode. They could say, no, you can't show this. I feel like they're nixing a lot of stuff. I also think that they're, you know, one guy in particular with Richie Incognito. I mean, the he's, guy's a nut job. Yeah, he's barely been in it. Well, he's barely been in it, but when he was in it, I think it was episode two. I yeah. mean, he was portrayed as like this such a great leader. I mean, the yeah. guy's nuts. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had no Vontez perfect, basically. I was shocked we haven't had anything from him. We haven't had anything from any rookie size Abram. It's been basically Antonio Brown and John Gruden. That's the entire show. It's not fun. Uh, and we get it. He, he wants his helmet. He doesn't want his helmet. It's just uh, enough. Play football. Get on the field. Let me see something. Yeah, so that's going on. It's going to wrap up next week. But we are going here today to do some over-under picks for the NFL season. I did these last year with Matt Rumack. I lost to Matt Rumack, so I figured let's give myself another shot here. We're going to bring Joe in here and do some picks. So you're bringing me in to so you hopefully could beat me is what you're saying then? Well, I hope I hope they also, let's say, I feel like you're more fun with this picks thing. Okay. I think you're more entertaining. For this I respect picks. that. Yes. Okay. I'm, look, I'm looking to entertain people here. So I would I, hope that's the goal. Yes. As, as uh, great industry veterans like to say, you have to be entertaining in the poke scale. If you're not, nobody cares. You are correct. So here's how this works. We are going to do NFL over-unders based on the win projected win tolls for the teams at the end of the season. Okay. We are using the lines that I sent you before from the FanDuel Sportsbook. These lines are current as of August 22nd, so they might be slightly out of date by the time you're listening to this. But it's not gonna, it'll ship maybe a half a game here or there. Probably not too much, barring something crazy in the preseason. But it's preseason. Teams are sitting guys out. I doubt we're going to have too much to worry about. I mean, the only way that this changed drastically is if your star quarterback goes down. Yeah. And I doubt that's going to happen. Let's hope not. Knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to do Mike and the Mad Dog style. Three overs, three unders. We will do a snake draft. Since you are the guest, I'll give you the choice. Would you like the first pick or the second and third picks? I will take the second and third picks. Oh, putting the pressure right on me to start this off. So I'm going with pick number one. And I feel like this year, I don't know about you, I feel like the unders are easier to find than the overs. Um, I actually found three my three overs that I have right now. I, I'm not going to lie. I actually, all six, I am yeah. really, except one. One of them, I am, it really depends on one on one particular player. But overall, I'm pretty confident in what I have right now. Yeah, so I'm going to start this off. I'm going to... Go with I'm gonna go with an under here. I took us under last year. They did not do it for me, so I'm gonna see <coughs> see if it works this year. I am going to take the Los Angeles Chargers under nine and a half wins. And I wrote this on Fanside recently. I wrote an article about the five playoff teams I think are most likely to flame out this year. The Chargers are right on that list. You have this Melvin Gordon holdout, which even if he comes back to camp, I'm sure he probably will by week one. Like He's going to be rusty. He might hurt himself because he has it in football shape. Derwin James is hurt. They have injury to the left tackle position. I mean, they won 12 games last year, and the division is a little more competitive. I think the Chiefs might sweep them this year. And as far as I'm aware, I mean, like, 
I just don't see the improvement to like say, you know what, we're going to get better from here. I think I could see him being a nine and seven, miss the playoffs kind of deal, eight and eight. I'd taken the Chargers in under my first pick. Yeah, that to me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, like you mentioned, the injuries, that's a huge concern. Uh, the one thing that stayed consistent, obviously, is the quarterback in Phillip Rivers. Uh, but with that being said, no Melvin Gordon. I know people are saying, well, look how well they did with their backups last year when Melvin Gordon was banged up. But at the same time, um, if he comes in late or doesn't come in at all, that will play a huge role in how the Chargers end up playing this year. And again, I still think they're over 500, but I don't think over nine and a half. Yeah, I think that I just think I they burned me last year. I'm gonna go back to that well again. I'm gonna stick with my fan side article. I think they're not gonna make the playoffs. I'm gonna take them under the nine and a half wins. That's so. a little plug for yourself too to check out that fan sided article. Absolutely. People check it out. And Joe, you're up for your first of two picks. Where are you gonna go first? First of two, so my first pick, I am going with the Green Bay Packers over nine games. And no, it's not because I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. I am thoroughly convinced that this team bounces back after last year's pathetic six win season. Um Obviously, the team's success bears on Aaron Rodgers' shoulder, right? If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, game over, season's over, we'll see you next year. However, if he's healthy, that offense is going to be good. The offense will be good because he is the leader and he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. There's, there's no debating that. 100%. Okay? But the biggest improvement that this team made is on the defensive side. Aaron Rodgers had to win games for them in years past. This is the first time in a long time, if all the pieces come together on the defensive side, that the defense will be able to win games rather than Rodgers. And having that and being able to rely on that is going to make a huge difference. They made splashes in free agency. They drafted heavy defensively in the draft. If it all comes together, I think this could easily be a 10-11 to win team. Yeah, I, I buy that. Like, I stay away from it because, for me, the number was too on the nose. I mean, I could see that being a nine-win team. That's why I didn't take the number. But I could easily buy your argument for the over there. I think it makes a lot of sense. So where are you going with your next pick, number two for you? My number two, I'll go under here for you. I am going the Baltimore Ravens under eight and a half. That's a very good pick. That would I would have gone with that next if you had not taken it. Yeah, under eight and a half. Uh, Lamar Jackson, right? Starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. We saw what he could do a little bit last year. And he's electric. He's athletic as hell. There's no denying that. But I saw I saw his skills I saw him use his legs way more than his arm. And that's that that doesn't work in the NFL. Yeah. I mean Michael Vick was able to do it, but he at least could pass a little bit. Correct. But I I just don't see it happening. Um there's not enough talent on that offense. He doesn't have enough support in general. They did lose some players on the defensive side via free agency. I just don't think Lamar Jackson is is a franchise franchise quarterback, a franchise um, caliber quarterback. I think the Baltimore Ravens stri- struggle mightily this season. Could possibly be the worst. Not nah, while well, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be the yeah. worst team in that division, but right ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals. I I 100% agree with that pick. The Ravens were on that list as well for Vansai, number two on that list for me. There you go. I mean, like, just you saw the Chargers in that playoff game. They gave you the blueprint to stop Lamar Jackson. And unless he's making light years leaps of improvement throwing the football, I don't think that they're going to be able to sustain an offense that way. I haven't seen or heard any reports about that, and I'm sure he's coming in. He's at camp right now, and he looks great, but 
if you're not going to be able to sit in the pocket and, and find a wide receiver and, and throw the ball downfield, I don't think you have a long career in the NFL. And remember, we talked about this in the playoffs, that the Chargers the first team to see Lamar Jackson twice, and they figured him out the second time. And I feel like now with all this film on him, and the Bravens, to their credit, they committed, they built the whole offense around his skill set, so they have a better chance than some of these other teams with the mobile quarterbacks have, but I don't see it. I think they're going to be a big flame out, and they're going to miss the playoffs. I am back on the board now. I am going for my, my next two picks. I'm going to take my first over, and I'm going to be a homer here. I'm going to take the New York Football Jets over seven wins. I had to do it because, simply put, I think this team is primed to do well. They add a lot of good pieces in the offseason. They have a lot of good young players. You see, I know it's preseason. I know it doesn't mean much, but Sam Darnold looks confident in that offense. He has a good rapport with Jameson Crowder. I know there's issues in the secondary, but their schedule after the first six weeks is incredibly weak. If they get out of it 3-3, three and three, I think it's a 10-win team and can go to the playoffs. I'm going to take the Jets over the 7, and I think I can get at least a 500 with them. The Jets were on my list. Yeah. The Jets were on my list. Uh, like you mentioned, Sam Darnold looks like he's he's made the proper strides already, and you could see it um, just in the in the minimal pre, uh, preseason action that he's played in. Yeah. I think the addition of Le'Veon Bell only makes it easier on that offense and on Sam Darnold. And overall, it just seems like they have a great team built for something special. There's a lot of potential for the Jets this year. Yeah, I think I'm very excited as a Jet fan. And it's a good time for me in this podcast because my team's actually doing well. The Mets are on a miraculous playoff run. And I'm the Jets actually look like they might be good. I'm not used to this. I mean, what happened to the podcast name if they start? Everyone starts winning. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. They haven't won anything yet. They're just playing well. Are you nervous about that though? Because that may happen. Well, I still have the Knicks. So I can say I'm still suffering. Well, that is true. <laughs> the Knicks are not winning anytime soon. That is a valid point. You're you are correct, sir. That's the only saving grace of this name because the Knicks are not going to win a championship in the next like 20 years. So I'm going to say I'm 20 gonna... years. Come on. I haven't seen yet. They can get a big free agent in here. You got to think that within the next. I don't know, let's just say five years, they win like at least one lottery with R.J. Barrett if he pans out. And, you know, you get a couple other top picks in those five years. You got something special. Yeah, but it, it takes – an NBA, you need to have like the best players on your team. And I haven't seen them be able to get them yet. So until they do, then I'm going to say not for a while. Be positive. Come on. That's not the move of this podcast. We're always negative. That is true. All right. My next pick, I'm going to go back on – I'm actually going to go with another – you know what? So now this means I can't use the Jets. No. I got to find a new team is what you're telling me. Well, I will stall for a little bit, so you have some time to look here. So I'm going to take another over here. I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs over 10.5 wins. I think this is another team that's primed for a big leap. I mean, they went to the AC Championship game last year. They overhauled their defense after they they got whacked in the AC title game second half when the Patriots went up and down the field on them, and they could not stop them at all. Patrick Mahomes, I know he's not going to throw 50 touchdowns again, but the number's only 10 and a half. This team won 12 games last year. I don't think they got considerably worse. I think they're going to win that division run going away. I don't think Denver or Oakland will be much of a challenge to them. I'm taking the Chiefs with the over there, 10 and a half. See, I was actually a little worried about that number with the Chiefs. Yeah. Like, Patrick Mahomes is special. He's yeah. a great quarterback. Can he do it again, though? Yeah. Like, Patrick Mahomes does it again. He solidifies himself as the next the next big thing in the NFL in terms of quarterback of the quarterback position. Yeah. 
Can he do it? I think so. How will they? How will the offense change without Kareem Hunt? Well, they played without Hunt the second half of last year, and they're still scoring points. Correct. They still did, but it's it's one thing when it's midway through the season. It's another thing when it's for a full year. I will say also the fact that Tyree Hill did not get suspended led me to the over. I feel like him being suspended would have knocked a win or two off their total. I think so too. He's yeah. he's got that he's got that electric ability. So whether he should be playing is another story. Well, that's but, a completely different story. But for the exactly. purposes of this segment, we're going to accept that he's playing and we're going to go with the over here. Joe, you're right back up for your next two picks. My we're, next my next two picks. You're killing me, Mike. You're yeah. killing me that yeah. you took the Jets yeah. because that was actually I I, w- I like that one the most. But my yeah. next two, I am going. Let's. I'll give you an over first. Okay. And we are going the Carolina Panthers over seven and a half. Team all or nothing. All or nothing. That offense has a ton of potential. Yeah. Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, they're going to be fast. Yeah. They're going to be fast, and they're going to move up and down the field. I think this team could compete for the division. Yeah, I think I could buy that a lot. I mean, we saw last year they were 6-2 and two before Cam really started dealing with the shoulder issue again. And it went all downhill. Yep. And now they're saying, you know, he's all good. He's all he's all, he's as healthy as could be. Jeez, sky's the limit for this team in that offense then. Yeah. And you saw what Christian McCaffrey did last year. He was a yeah. beast. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey could go very high in fantasy drafts this year. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah. He has to be. Yeah, he's up He's up in the top mix with the album Kamara and uh, Saquon. I, I, you, you'd be crazy not to put him in that group. Okay, so you got the Panthers over 7.5, and, and the number is also very great on that. Even if they're 500, you win it. Exactly, yeah. and that's what I like about that. Yeah. That's what I like about that number. Okay, so you get one, another pick where it goes back to me, so where are you going next? I'll take another under. Okay. Because I still got to figure out a new over. Um, And I am going the Cleveland Browns under 9.5. Ooh, that's a good one. I had that coming next. Um, Listen, I want to see the Browns succeed. I want to see the Browns win. I I real I feel really bad for Browns fans, but here's the but. Here's the but. I think there's just way too many personalities and characters in that locker room, and that doesn't mix well with a rookie head coach. Can Freddie Kitchens control the locker room? You got Baker Mayfield already talking. Odell Beckham, he's always going to talk. I just don't see it happening. I don't see Freddie Kitchens being able to control these guys. I think it may start off really hot, but the minute that something goes wrong with this team, it's going to spiral out of control real quick. Yeah, I don't trust this team at all because, I mean, the hype on them is so, so, so high. And, I mean, I feel a lot better this team if Greg Williams is the head coach. If they had just given him the job after he got them on the second half run last if year. If Greg Williams was the head coach of this team after the second half run that they had and this number was at 9.5, I would have signed right now for the over. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just – can you really believe in Freddie Kitchens? Again, you don't know. You hear good thing, you know, Baker Mayfield loves the guy. But what does that mean? Exactly. Yeah. doesn't mean he could coach. So – I just really think the combination of a rookie a rookie coach, young quarterback, animated locker room. Mm. Who is your veteran leader there? That's a very good question. I don't know who it is. Who is your veteran leader? If it's Jarvis Landry, it's not good. Uh, there's, there's nobody that comes to mind immediately. 
Yeah, I don't. Do you consider Miles Garrett your veteran leader? Yeah, he's only been in the league like two years. There you go. Is They're it? talented it, on both sides. Very talented. There's no denying it. But it's just I, I, I'm nervous about the chemistry overall. Yeah, I'm very nervous about that team because it's also as a Jet fan, I'm happy that they're getting all the hype because the Jets are flying under the radar as a potential team that can improve in the in the uh, AFC. Week two, Monday Night Football, Browns, Jets will be a lot of fun in MetLife. Oh, it's going to be electric. Yeah. And the Jets want revenge because, because remember, Baker's first career win came in the comeback against them. So I am back on the board now. I am going, I have, I've already taken two overs and one under, so I'm going to bounce out of it. I'm going to take it under here. I'm going with the number one team on that fan-sided slider of teams that are going to miss the playoffs. The Chicago Bears. Oh, I like that. Under nine and a half wins. I do not like this team at all. I feel like their defense was good. Khalil Mack being hurt, that that take a lot out of that defense. His health is always a question because he's had a lot of issues over the years. And simply put, I do not buy Mitch Trubisky as an NFL star because you figure the defense is going to regress a little bit and come back to earth more in year two here. Trubisky had to make a big leap to make up for that regression to like from superstar to like just very good. I don't think he can. I don't think he has. I mean, he has weapons, but I just don't think he is that good a quarterback to carry a team to the top. And they won 12 games last year. They won a lot of close games. They still haven't fixed the kicking problem. That's a huge issue considering that they're, that's, they're going to be in a lot of close games. They could lose more that way. I don't think they're winning 10 games again. I think they're winning seven. I'm going to take the under on the Bears. Yeah, that's the biggest issue when it comes to the Chicago Bears is the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, the defense is there. I think they they do. They, it would be helpful if they had a little bit more weapons on the offensive side, but Mitch Trubisky is holding them back. It's scary because if Mitch Trubisky was a good quarterback, that team could easily win the division. Yeah, easily, and that division I think is the most competitive top to bottom in football. I think the NFC North because Detroit's pretty good. They're not getting enough credit. I think they can win a game against any team in that division. No, I think they're going to be horrible. Really? I, I think the Lions are the worst team in that division easily. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think they – Matt Stafford's Matt Stafford. You know, I, I, I think that's the best way to put it. I don't think they really imp- – they didn't improve anywhere. They didn't decline anywhere. They're kind of still that same team. Yeah, I could see that. But I think that same team is good enough to win a game against anybody, especially if they're at home and they're playing well. You don't have to tell me that. I went to Detroit, <laughs> I went to Detroit and I saw Mason Crosby miss about five field goals and lose against the Green Bay and win against the Green Bay Packers. So they could definitely take one at home. Oh, for sure. And I'm going to take my next pick. I'm going to take an over here. I feel like this team is getting slept on a bit because of the guy, the big names that left in the offseason. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers over nine wins. Wow, wow. I, I think this pick. I feel like. There's a lot to be said for chemistry. I feel like that locker room was divided last year with all the antics AB was causing. And I've gone on the record on this podcast saying that AB has just come such a diva. He's wrecking locker rooms. going to kill the Raiders. But I think Juju is a much better number one receiver for that team right now than AB would be this year. Ben is clearly the leader now, not getting attention taken away from him by AB and the Bell holdout and all that. And I know they lost a couple pieces on defense, but I love the pick of uh, – Devin Bush in the first round. It's going to be a massive addition to that defense. Fill the Ryan Shazier hole. And somebody has to win that division. I don't like Baltimore. I don't like Cleveland. I don't like Cincinnati. Therefore, Pittsburgh is going to pile up those wins. Yeah. See, the one thing that I'm a little bit nervous about there, you saw what you got in James Conner, and you have to be satisfied with that. Yeah. 
Big Ben is only getting older now. Can he, can he last the full season? What can we get out of him? Can Juju take that next step? Because he's great, but it's a lot easier to be open when AB's on the other side of the on the other side. Can, can he can he be can he take that next step and be the everyday guy? I think he can. He definitely showed that. He definitely showed that. But it's also going to be a lot harder because everybody knows. Hey, we got to stop him before anybody else. Where that wasn't the case when Antonio Brown was on that offense. That's fair, but I just think in terms of like a fact, I don't like the other teams in that division. I feel like they're going to go five and one in the division, and you're asking them to win five more games outside of it. That's I very. That, I, I think they can get the ten, and make win the division. I would agree playoffs. with you. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so Joe is up for his last two picks. He has you have one over and one under to go. One over and one under. So my over, my over is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles at nine and a half. I think nobody is talking about this team. I like the addition of Jordan Howard. He has a sneaky good pickup. They have a great right wide receiving core. Pair that with Zach Ertz. And let's not forget Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz stays healthy, this team could run away with the division easily. Yeah. Especially given the uncertainty over Zeke's situation in Dallas right now. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. By the way, this isn't my pick for an under, but if Zeke doesn't play, take the under right away. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not touching that Dallas because of the Zeke situation. But I think like you're right on with the Eagles. Like, I feel like they're the favorite in that division right now. Not to say that Dallas can't make the playoffs, but like Dallas seems like they're gonna be like a nine win team. Like, Eagles have much more upside than Dallas does right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And again, you look at that division. Somebody's got to win it. Yeah, it ain't gonna be Washington. It ain't gonna be the New York Giants. It's Philly or Dallas. It's Philly or Dallas, and I don't think Dallas could do it without Zeke. So that's basically you're, you're taking the Steelers argument I made, you're making for the Eagles. Essentially, yeah. So I, I, I respect that. All right, you have one last under to take. Where are you going with that? I think this is an easy one, and I think I am most convinced with this pick. But I think I am going with the Indianapolis Colts under 7.5. Uh, obviously, the breaking news with... Andrew Luck. Uh, you mentioned the, so I got to play the bumper here. This has actually happened, I think, just a little inside podcasting here. We started recording this. I think we took a, we recorded it last Thursday. And then we had this big breaking news over the weekend. Let me just find that clip right here because I'm in the wrong folder. Now I'm in the right folder. So Andrew Luck retired. <laughs> Exactly, and that's exactly why you should take the Colts under 7.5 because there is no way Jacoby Brissett is leading this team anywhere. He is an interesting follow on Twitter, I, I strongly suggest. He's had some some riveting, deep tweets, but in terms of his football ability, I think you want to bet the house on the under here. Yeah, I would be strongly inclined to agree with that pick just because... You know what happened the last time that Andrew Luck missed the season. How many games did they win? Four? I think you're right. I would not be surprised that happens again. All right. I have one more under to go. I am going to make this one. I think this team is a little overhyped just because of they're getting the quarterback back. I'm taking the 49ers under eight wins. That's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins. This team won four games last year. I know that Jimmy G did not play at all last year, but like... You're asking them to improve by five wins just for him taking the field because did they do anything notable in the offseason? 
aside from drafting Nick Bosa, who's already hurt. No. And, I mean, Jarek McKinnon is coming back. That's nice. They added Tevin Coleman. I think that's nice. But, like, what's that getting you? It's not getting you much. And that division, the Rams, which just went to the Super Bowl, the Seahawks made the playoffs last year. You have to take at least one or two of those if gains from one of those teams if you want to be over eight wins. And the Cardinals are not going to be a complete pushover, I don't think, with Kyler Murray. So I think you're asking a lot to go for over eight. I might There's a chance I push that one, but I think I'm going to be safer on the under. Yeah, I think you're going to be safe too. It's just that's a lot of wins for a guy that, yeah, he looked, he looked very good when he played. But that that could easily change the films out. You don't know how he's gonna Plus he's coming, look coming back from an ACL. Yeah, because not everyone returns the same way they left. Yeah, it could take him half a season to get into fit into form. Exactly. And by that point, they could be two and six, and you basically you're almost there at the bet. Bing, bingo. So to recap here, Joe's picks: the Packers over nine, the Ravens under eight and a half, the Panthers over seven and a half. The Cam Newton thing is a little worrisome, but that's still a manageable number. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah. I'm not too concerned. Okay. The Browns under 9.5, which I love. The Eagles over 9.5. And, and the Colts under 7.5. So You're going to win a lot of money this season. Yeah. That's a lot. Those are good picks right there. I like those. My picks. I know they're not going to hit because yeah. I feel so <laughs> confident. Yeah. Chargers under 9.5. I don't know why I took that first, but you know I felt very good about the Chargers. The Jets over 7. I stole that one from you, which is why we had to get another pick out of you. The Chiefs over 10 and a half. I'm a big Pat Mahomes guy. Screw the Madden curse. The Bears under nine and a half wins. That's my favorite pick on the list. I like that. Yeah. As a Packer fan, I'm sure you love that pick. I love it. Yeah. The Steelers over nine and the Jimmy G 49ers under eight. So those are over under picks. Would you like to put some stakes on this? I can't wait to beat you. Yeah. How about this? The loser needs to take the winner out for lunch. I can do. I can do that. We'll do that. Put a that lo- on, A put local it. lunch. Local lunch, right right down the street from the studio here. i got plenty of options. So. That's fine. Yeah, so put a little lunch on the line here. Over the, uh, We'll have you back on for picks during the season, so we'll check in how this is going. When Remember, you do lunch, not a gourmet meal. No yep. appetizers, yep. you know, uh, entree and dessert. Yep. Lunch. Yeah. We're, we're not going to pull the banya here and say it's super meal. Okay, good. <laughs> as long as we're on the same page. Yeah, so and also this year you are the captain of the challenger squad for the show me the money nfl picks team so we're winning money this year yeah so going up next week on week one giant fan and known ranter justin diaz is coming in to do picks so hopefully he has a better representation than he did in the playoffs last year always entertaining though to listen to yeah very good ranter joe thanks for all time before i let you go do you want everybody to know how to follow you on social media absolutely check me out on twitter at joe d Double underscore. Do not forget that double, folks. Actually, it's not even Joe D. It's actually Joe double underscore. He's keeping you on your toes here. Keeping. I'm just making sure you're listening. Yep. Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-L. All right, Joe. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Mike, anytime. All right. Up next, we're going to this week's two-minute drill. I'm going to be joined by a Colts fan to break down the Andrew Luck saga right after this. They converted on their only other third down. The play clock is down to three. The defense moving all over the place. And Luck dancing in the pocket. Breaks away. Keeps his eyes downfield. Fires back in the end zone. It is caught. It is Dontrell Inman for the touchdown. It's great to come with limited pressure. I think they just bring three here until one guy's on the ground. The other two are just got looped by Luck. 
And there you go. That is just the kind of brilliance, Al, that we saw out of luck in the early part of his career, and the Colts missed so badly last year. All right, we are back with this two-minute drill. In case you missed the big news last week, Andrew Luck shocked the NFL world by retiring. That call you just heard one of his last regular season touchdown passes against the Tennessee Titans in Week 17, courtesy of NBC Sports, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Joining me today to discuss the legacy of Andrew Luck is my favorite cult fan and our golf guy on the podcast normally, Dan Martini. Dan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thanks, Mike. It's an unfortunate circumstance that I'm back not talking about golf, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Okay, so this will be a little therapeutic in a sense. I know. I'm on stage four out of five of uh, the symptoms of loss. Yeah. I'm somewhere between depression and acceptance at this point, but I've already been through denial, isolation, and some sort of bartering, thinking that Jacoby Brissett's going to be able to save our team. But I'm somewhere in the depression stage at the moment. Yeah, so let's start right away. Let's start with the new with your, the reaction to that bomb that dropped Saturday from Adam Schefter put on Twitter during the Colt preseason game, mind you, that, that Andrew Luck was going to retire. What was your immediate reaction? It's it's just the worst situation you could possibly find yourself in as a fan. I mean, you're sitting there. I'm watching the Gator game, and I just see a bunch of text messages come through my phone saying, "Andrew Luck retires." Are you kidding me? And I literally have to stop what I'm doing, pull the preseason game up on my phone just to see that, yes, Andrew Luck is on the sideline smiling and laughing with his teammates. And I'm like, no, he's, he's there. Why would he be there if he's going to retire? I absolutely did not believe it. My initial reaction when I realized that the tweet was, was true and that this was actually happening was just utter shock. I... I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know if I should be angry, if, if this was a joke, if it was I, – I just – I could not come to terms. Imagine right now, you know, if you're a fan of – say you're the fan of the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz just in the middle of a preseason game decided to leave. How would you feel? Like just completely retire. He's had a few injuries. He's missed some time. But he's just done. It's, it, it can happen to anyone. And so I understand it. Everything was lining up for us to be a Super Bowl caliber team this year. And he walks away now? It just feels, as bad as I feel for Andrew Luck, it just feels selfish to me. And I would not be one of those fans that would have booed him. I'm not mad at Andrew. I just, I, I just wish he would have you know, maybe taken six months off and then come back. Or taken you know, an extended leave of absence, get his head right, get his body right and come back to the team and be part of this. I mean, I'm older than him, and this guy's already retired. It's a crazy world that we're in right now that, that injuries and the NFL, how brutal the game is, can end a career, especially one that was looking like a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, you brought the fans. I would say the video of the fans booing Luck as he ran off the field went viral. And to me, that bothered me so much because you don't know what's going through like his mind. Like He's played through a lot of injuries because they did not have a good offensive line in front of him for years. So... That just bothers me, how much he's given that franchise. that They're just booing him. He, he did not deserve that. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I said this earlier, what if you were in the stands and your phone is blowing up with the quarterback that's right there? I, th- I think about the Eagles. I think about Panthers. I think you know, uh, you know, teams with, that have these somewhat young, but you know, really quarterbacks in their prime right now with, with Super Bowl aspirations, and you're sitting there thinking that he's got just a little ankle twist and all of a sudden he's gone, retired, 
right then, maybe you're not booing Andrew. Maybe they weren't booing Andrew directly. I, you know, it's hard. The guy obviously took his jersey off. That 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 shot's ridiculous. That guy shouldn't be a fan of the team. But for, if you're the other fans, maybe you're just booing the situation. Maybe you're maybe you're just you don't know what to do, and that's just your natural reaction there. I, Andrew Luck did not deserve to be booed. He never deserves to be booed. He's a great human being. He's a, he's a, he's been amazing for the community. The Colts wasted the best years of of his prime in the Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano era. Um, we we didn't get it right until now. We finally have a team around him, and he's gone. But I gotta got tell you, Mike. I mean, it's just been depressing to be a Colt fan. I mean, 2015 DeflateGate. You know, we're embarrassed by that whole situation. It doesn't matter if the balls were deflated or not. It's embarrassing that we tattled on, on the Patriots. You know, then Andrew's injuries start in 2016. He's out all of 17. Then we got the Josh McDaniels botched hiring. And now Andrew Luck retires. It seems like every year is something else. And somewhere mixed in between is a 10-6 and six team that comes out of nowhere and makes it, you know, to the conference round of the playoffs. So I, I just... I, it's just the ups and downs with this team is insane. It's like, would you rather just be slowly getting to a good point, kind of like what the Jets are doing right now, or would you rather get these highest of highs, lowest of lows? I, I don't know, but I'm just uh, – that's why I told you I'm in stage four of depression right now because I just can't seem to, to say, okay, Andrew, we'll, we'll, you know, thanks for all that you did. We're going to turn the team to Jacoby Brissett, and we're going to be fine. I'm just not there yet. I, I'm not ready, even if he does a great job. I'm not. I'm not ready for this. It's really. It makes me. It makes it really hard to watch football this season. Worse so than the year we started Curtis Painter. Yeah, that's big words. And to me, <laughs> the, the interesting thing here also is the timing of this because obviously Adam Schefter gets his report during the game, and to me, like, it the fact that he was playing to retire on Sunday. He said after the after the game at that impromptu press conference, like, I wasn't planning on doing this today. It makes me feel like somebody inside the Colt organization leaked that to Schefter because they were not happy about the fact he's retiring. My my question to you is, I'm not. We have no proof of this, but do you think this came from something like somebody like Jim Irsay, who we know can be very like emotional in terms of like his decisions as an owner? You know, I listened to Adam Schefter earlier today on ESPN Radio. It was I think it was the first time he was interviewed directly about the situation, and you know. He says that, and, and I don't blame Schefter. I really don't. He said it on the show, and I 100% agree with him. His job is to report the news and report what he is told. That is his job. That is what he's paid to do. He found out on Saturday night from his sources somebody wanted to tip him off and gave him that information. Schefter says he heard from one person, and then he verified it with a couple other sources. So that means that it's, even if it was Ursay, like there had to have been other people within the organization. My thinking is that it was, so, you know, perhaps one of the players was telling their agent and an agent told somebody else. And then that just rapid fired down the line. Because what would Ursay have, you know, why would he want to do that in that situation and leave Andrew vulnerable on the field like that? We've seen Jim Ursay make some crazy decisions over the years. But I don't think that he's silly enough to do that, uh, to leak it the day before. It, it just doesn't make sense. Maybe it was somebody in the communications department or PR department slipped up when they were saying what the, the press conference was about on Sunday. It could have been anything along those lines. Um, but, but, you know, Schefter was, was 
told by various sources um, that and it confirmed it at least that it was happening. So I don't I don't believe that it was the upper upper management. I believe it was somewhere down the line. Yeah, and you can't blame Shatter. It's his job to break the news. If he doesn't, you know, somebody like Jay Glazer will or Ian Rapport yeah, will. Yeah, somebody will take it. Somebody will Absolutely. Take, his job is to be the first guy. If he has it, he has to go with it. But Yeah, and this is the biggest story of his career uh, to this point. You know, and he's reported on a lot of big things, you know, talking about first overall picks coming out before that, you know, the teams even wanted that announced. He's had tons of stuff over the years. But everybody will remember that Adam Schefter tweeted in the middle of a preseason game that Andrew Luck retired. So nobody will ever forget that. No. Not real sport fans. No, they won't. And let's talk a little about the legacy of Andrew Luck because obviously like he comes to the Colts at just the right time, right? As Peyton Manning's walk out the door, he comes in. They get off to a hot start with him. They make the playoffs go around further every year, his first couple of years, then starts going down. So what do you think the legacy of Luck is going forward? He's a guy that was better than the the teams and the structure and the organization that was put around him. I think that if you put Andrew Luck in Pittsburgh, um, you know, during the early Tomlin, uh, end of Cower era, I think if you put him, um, you know, in Philadelphia um, just over the past few years, I think he gets the job done there. I think if you put him in organizations that are are getting it right at the moment, um, I think if he's in Seattle, um, you know, I, I think that with, with the defense that they have built in those areas to kind of give their quarterbacks, you know, a better opportunity to score on shorter fields, the Colts went from having a decent defense for what was, you know, in the game plan. You know, Chuck Pagano was supposed to be a defensive guru for them, and we would just we would let up third after third and 14 after third and 17. It was not a defensive team. I don't care what anybody wants to say that team was structured around. There were years there where Andrew was literally keeping our team afloat by making these miraculous plays, extending plays, breaking tackles, running it himself, putting his body on the line. This is a guy who, you know, deserved a Super Bowl or at least a chance to win a Super Bowl, and, and the organization failed him, and the structure around him failed him. There were good players that came through here. You know, he had plenty of years with Reggie, and he had plenty of years with T.Y. Hilton, and, and, you know, there was, you know, decent players um, on the defense during those years, but he, they just could not get it together, and, and the coaching and, and the organization itself failed him. So his legacy will be a guy that was, you know, you'll look at him and say, if you're thinking of the prototypical quarterback in the modern NFL, you want Andrew Luck as your guy. Uh, and hopefully your organization puts some better players and a better structure around him. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, he put up tremendous numbers when he played. He missed some time with injuries. And, like, we've seen it now a couple of years where we've had guys like Terrell Davis make the Hall of Fame after a short but brilliant career. You think he could see end up in Canton one day? You know, it's going to be really close. It depends because there's so many guys around this time that will, you know, obviously be Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I mean, Eli, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Tom Brady, there's there, Philip Rivers. There's going to be so many of them that come out of the kind of this genre. I, I thought Andrew Luck would be, you know, a couple years behind those guys, um, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that way. I guess he'll qualify, you know, right around, you know, who who knows how many more years those guys will play, but they might be closer in, in you know, Hall of Fame class than we think now. So, I don't know. It's really going to depend on 
um, you know, how things shake up, shape up the next few years. But his that guy is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't care what the stats say. I don't care the lack of Super Bowls or the wins. You know, if you want to look at him, I, I, you know, he's the comparisons to Marino are going to be really close, right? Because the guys that never won a Super Bowl but had phenomenal numbers and you know had had the poise and charisma to win, but the team around them just never could get it done. So. You know, if you put Dan Marino in, I think you got to consider a guy like Luck. But I, I, can I can I make like a last ditch thing here? I, th- there's a part of me that still feels like Andrew Luck might come back. There's still a part of me that that feels like he's going to walk away for a year, and you know maybe things work out with Jacoby. Maybe they don't. But if, I, I'm I'm not convinced that he's completely done. I, and and there's just something about him that. He's going to feel good six, seven months from now, and he's going to get the itch to play again, and, and he'll be 30 years old. So, you know, he can still play four years. I, I, I just don't know. It's, it's A lot is going to depend on what goes on in his personal life and, if you know, kids, and if he wants to do some stuff with the engineering side of things. We know he's one of the smartest guys out there, smartest quarterbacks to ever play, but um, – I, I, I just am not, I'm not ready to take my Andrew Luck jersey and, and put it in in the closet and and you know store it away i'm not ready for that yet yeah it's an interesting point you brought because we said the same thing about guys like calvin johnson we said oh he'll come back he still hasn't come back you wonder about guys like this now we're retiring earlier and like you don't know like if they're gonna sit there in like a year and say i miss football i want to come back or they say you know i'm content i got what i wanted out of the game i guess you know and and was was eight seasons enough for Andrew? I, I mean, maybe. I mean, that's pretty good. If it was five years, I would say, oh, he's definitely going to come back. But maybe eight is is enough. I mean, it it really, you know, today's day and age, if you know, the longer you're out of the game, it, it, the harder it's going to be. He apparently, based off of, you know, they put him on the injured reserve or pup retirement list, so he cannot come back and play this season, even if he wanted to. But I don't know. I don't know. He he strikes me as a guy who. I mean, he's a physical freak. So if he wanted to just get himself back in shape and come out next year, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be able to put it back together or get his game back in in order faster than anybody else. I mean, every year he's a top-five quarterback, and there's no denying that. So let's see where we are in a year from now. (laughs) That's all I can say. But this is going to be a really, really hard year to watch if we lose a bunch of close games late where we've got the ball, because Andrew was the king of the fourth quarter comeback for us. I knew that if it was close or we were down three and we had the ball and it was there was five minutes left in the game and we had one timeout, we were going to score and we were going to win the game. And that was it, because we trusted Andrew to do it. I mean, think about that Chiefs game. If anybody really wants to have that lasting memory of Andrew Luck, go back and watch the Chiefs playoff game from a few years back when we were getting killed in the second half and Andrew Luck just put together one of the best performances of all time. So I know they've been showing it on NFL Network, but it's like I'm sitting here depressed and just watching Andrew Luck highlights. So you can see where my head's at. Yeah, one last thing before I let you go. Obviously now the Colts are left in a tough spot. Jacoby Brissett is now locked in as a starter this year. This is a team that they thought could go win the AFC South and make a run at the Super Bowl at the AFC. Obviously, that's changed dramatically. So, like, what do you think the new bar should be for the Colts? Because, like, we just did our over-under picks on the podcast here. The number dropped from 9.5 to 7.5 after Luck's retirement. So, it's so curious to see where you think the bar is now for them. Yeah, it's it's right there. 
So, and this brings you back to my first point just quickly here. I, I mean, I really, I've heard a lot of rumors about, you know, Andrew wanting, you know, to be out earlier than at this point. There's a lot of rumors going around. Everybody's heard about the ticket sales and that Andrew was uh, wanted to leave way back at the end of the winter, early spring, and, you know, that they asked him to stay on so they could sell more tickets and things like that, and that he was he was never planning to play, which is why this, you know, ankle injury happened in the second practice. Um, you know, I wish that Andrew had just walked away in February and said that's enough. It would have been crazy in the news cycle, but it would have given us the chance to draft a quarterback, use free agency to find somebody suitable to back up Jacoby. I got to tell you, Mike, if, if Jacoby Brissett goes down, we, we're not winning a game. If <laughs> we're really not, Philip Walker and Chad Kelly are not ready to play in the NFL. So uh, I can tell you, if Jacoby is healthy, I think we're a seven-win team. Um, if if he gets hurt, I think we're a three-win team. So maybe <laughs> it might be might just be we might steal a game at the end of the year when when you know other teams are battling injuries or resting their players. But uh, I think seven is the number. Uh, I, th- I think we're seven and nine if he's healthy. We, you know, we're going to put up a fight. We've got a really good defense. I don't know if you noticed, but the Golds have gotten really good on defense, and they've got a ton of really good skill position players. And the entire team, the entire team is healthy. This is not like Andrew retired because, you know, Marlon Mack's going to miss the year and T.Y. Hilton's got a terrible Achilles injury. No, like the team is ready to go. So it's just so frustrating. You know, we, 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 he's literally the only thing out there that we're missing. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if it's karma or whatever it is. The football gods have just decided that, you know, this is it. Yeah, well, you never know because, I mean, you end up at a point where you're maybe looking to draft for a quarterback next year. Next year's class is supposed to have a lot of good options in it. So, again, maybe you get yeah, lucky. who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought, Mike, that, you know, six months ago that the Colts would, would be in the, you know, two of sweepstakes or whatever it is. Now, I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy. I, I wasn't even watching. I used to, when, you know, right going into the end of the Peyton Manning era, I was watching college football really closely to see, you know, oh, there's RG3 and there's Andrew Luck and there's a couple other guys that could be coming out that, that would be really good for the Colts to take it as a backup to Peyton Manning. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm good for the next 15 years. And and here we are, you know, just eight years later, and uh, looking looking for a quarterback. So I know no all you know a lot of the other fans of teams out there are, are, are don't don't feel bad for me in this scenario because it, you know luck is a, a once in a in a generation back, uh, quarterback, and you know we were lucky to have him and we wasted the time with him. So nobody's going to feel bad, but at the same time, you know it, it stinks that we're that you know. It, you don't realize how good you've got it until it's gone, right? Yeah, for sure. Dan, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate your thoughts on the whole luck thing. Before I let you go, do you want, everybody, do you want to let everybody know how to follow you on social media? You know, I'm going to go through a dark stage on, on social media for a while. You might see, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at dmart207, D-E-M-A-R-T 207. It's going to be a hard season to watch. I might, I might post some things. I want to be, I want to, I want this team to be that underdog that that becomes the feel-good story of the year. You know, lose their franchise quarterback and the backup steps in and plays great. I want to be that team, but you can't hope for that. You can't expect it. So, I'll be very quiet this year, uh, football season. So, if I don't post anything, I'm sorry, y'all. Okay, well, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens there. Hopefully, your mood brightens. So, Dan, thanks again. All right, thanks, Mike. 
All right, and that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guests first, Alex Fasano from Fantasy Sports Radio for calling in to help with our big fantasy football preview. I also want to thank Joe D'Aloisio for stopping by the studio to do the NFL over-unders and Dan Martini for holding an impromptu therapy session about the Colts and Andrew Luck's sudden retirement. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my reaction to the Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker footage that was unveiled at the D23 Expo earlier this week, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher. Simply search for Just and the Suffering on any of those platforms. You will find all the episodes there, including some of our recent ones, including my chat with Binghamton Bravo Ponies voice Ian Sachs about the Mets minor leaguers and our U.S. Open tennis preview with Veronica Bruno from Fansided. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me the hashtag Unlucky Colts fans. You've made it to the end of this week's show. Next week, we are going to the beginning of the NFL season. It's finally here. We have an NFL preview podcast in the works. Working on the guests for that. We are going to do week one picks with Justin Diaz and show me the money. Talk some more Mets, maybe a little tennis. We'll see. Until then, I hope you have a better week than the Mets did. <laughs>